0: If that don't pump you chili, I can't think of anything that would. What a great song. More than amazing, more than miraculous, more than wonderful, is my Jesus. Whew. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we just thank you. I pray today, Father, we will see the amazing Jesus, as we talk about him today. We see the miraculous Jesus. We see the wonderful Jesus, more than wonderful, more than amazing, more than miraculous. Speak, Father, if you would today. In your name I pray, amen, amen. Uh, We will again be in Isaiah 9, if you want to turn there. This Sunday we will be continuing the theme that we have for December. And the theme that we started last week was, yeah, Jesus really is the reason for the season. And that Jesus really is the indescribable gift that God has given to us in His Word. We talked about this Christmas season that Jesus needs to be our focus, that Jesus needs to be our priority. As we come and look and we will have four messages that are really just pinpointed toward Jesus and who he is and how important it is during this Christmas season, even though we get busy and things are going happening around us, that he must be the reason for the season. Last week, we talked about Jesus was the prince of peace. The prince of peace and how because of Jesus, we can have peace with holy God. The creator of this universe, the one who is perfect, the one who holds the universe, the Bible says, in his hands. We can have peace with him. We can have peace with a holy God who is perfect And he's made peace because we are not perfect, and we are not holy, and we are sinful. But because of the Prince of Peace, Jesus, we can now have the peace with God, Holy God. Because of Jesus being the Prince of Peace, we can have the peace of God. When the storms of life swirl, and, and sometimes it seems like the hurricane of life is blowing, Jesus, the Prince of Peace is that eye of the storm. And he can take us and put us as the world blows and tries to knock us down. He will put us in that eye of the storm where peace is, where calmness is, where the winds don't get to us because the Prince of Peace is the eye of the storm. Because of Jesus and being the Prince of Peace, we have the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. We have God Almighty The one who created everything, the one who raised Jesus from the dead lives within us. Did you know that? It doesn't get any better than that being born again. We have the Holy Spirit who leads, guides, and directs us, who teaches us truth, who convicts us of our sins and guides us to the paths of righteousness. All because of Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Because he was the Prince of Peace, if you remember, we too can have peace with other people. We too do not have to live in in disharmony with other people. But because he is peace, he can have and we can have peace with other people. It is our responsibility, if you remember, to at least pursue peace with other people. They might not want it, might not agree with it, but we are to pursue it anyway. And then the last thing I believe we talked about, we have this great inner peace. Because Jesus is the peace of, the Prince of Peace. We can have inner peace, a peace that makes no understanding, a peace that does not make sense that per, that surpasses all comprehension. the Bible says surpasses all of the of anything that we can ever think about, all because of the prince of peace, which is Jesus, and we come this month to celebrate the birth of that person you see jesus in 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 John fourteen twenty seven says this, Peace I leave with you. <laughs> My peace I give to you, not as a world do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Let it not be afraid. You see, because of the birth of Jesus in that Bethlehem morning, the Prince of Peace is we have peace with Him and peace of Him. And we have great inner peace that only He can give. We celebrate Him today. Again, the, uh, my anchor verse today, like I told you, is Isaiah 9, 6. Let's go back to that. Uh, you know, what are you going to do, Don, preaching the message again? <laughs> no, I've got a different one for you. <laughs> 9, 6, Isaiah. for a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And today, I want to look at those three. Jesus as this Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. And how that applies to us today during this Christmas season, I hope. Okay? Isaiah says he is the wonderful counselor. That word wonderful can mean incomprehensible. It could mean I don't understand all of it. Means he is beyond wonderful like that song said. And I want you to get that meaning because in a sense, that really is who Jesus is. He's almost incomprehensible. I really can't grasp all of who he is in my life. The world will say that word wonderful means kind of pleasant and lovely and and likable. But the word when it's referring to Jesus is much more than that. It's almost as if you could say Jesus is, in trying to get to know him in a personal intimate way is almost mind-boggling. I cannot really get all I need to get about this wonderful Savior Jesus. It's just almost too big for me. And Jesus demonstrated how wonderful he was. I want to get to that point. He demonstrated this wonderful this this mind-boggling this incomprehensible kind of of a lifestyle. Because he is so wonderful. You know, and I think one of the ways he demonstrated his wonderfulness, if you would, was the virgin birth. The virgin birth, uh, the coming from a womb of a virgin. How do you explain that? <laughs> okay? Most of the world cannot explain that. It's almost incomprehensible, is it not? And yet we know that Jesus was born of a virgin. He was a 100% man. And 100% God. That's some of that funny math, I know. But nothing is impossible for God. He demonstrated how wonderful he is at the virgin birth. He demonstrates how wonderful he is because he has the power to heal. The power to heal. He healed all kind of sickness and all kind of diseases, didn't he? No one else could do what he could do. And he still is doing it today. He demonstrated how wonderful he was with his teachings that he gave to us. Many of his teachings are just radical kinds of stuff. Did you know that? Radical kind of stuff. I mean, the Bible says, man, he he teaches with somebody that has authority. (laughs) Not like the scribes. Not like some of the teachers. Not like some of the preachers. It's like he has an authority. Well, yeah, did he have authority? Yeah, he did, didn't he? And he taught this radical kind of, of, of uh, uh, theology, if you would. I mean, he, he went as far to say is, is, I want you to love those that are not, unlo- that are not lovable. That's radical. I don't, want, I don't have to do that. He said, I want you to love the unlovable. And then he says, what? Well, I want you to forgive the unforgivable. Well, that's kind of radical, isn't it? Sometimes that stuff doesn't make sense, does it? But he said, I want, you to, I want you to do that. He said, I want you to pray for your enemies. That makes no sense. I want you to turn the cheek. I, want you to, I don't want you to seek revenge. Because vengeance is mine, says the Lord. It's not about you. That's radical teaching. That's wonderful teaching. That is incomprehensible kind of, of teachings. But that's what he asked us to do, is it not? To pray for your enemies. He said, you'll be blessed when you're persecuted. Are you kidding me? You'll be blessed when when somebody is saying stuff and persecuting you because of your faith? That's a blessing? He said, yeah. He says, it really, really is. He said, you can have peace in difficult times. Well, that don't make sense. That's what he taught. And we can grasp that. What a wonderful Savior we can have that peace during difficult times. But I think the greatest thing that he taught besides all of that is that mankind, humanity, can live with God forever and forever by accepting the free gift that He has given to us. See, that don't make any sense, does it? How can holy God accept a sinner like me? Only through the blood of Jesus Christ. That makes no sense, but that's what happens. Everything is possible. And He said, I want you to live with me Forever. I am so glad that, that he said that. I'm so glad that he is that wonderful, wonderful counselor that he's talking about. Uh, that, that wonderful person that, that, that when we look at him, it's just almost incomprehensible. It makes, it's almost mind-boggling. That holy God wants to live with you forever <laughs> in his home. He wants to spend time with you forever because he loves you so much I don't know about you, but I, I struggle with that. That doesn't make any sense. But that's what he wanted. You see what I say when I say wonderful, related to Jesus is more than pleasant, more than likable, more than lovable. It is beyond comprehension sometimes how much he loves us and how good he is to us. The second part of that wonderful is that he is the wonderful counselor. A counselor gives advice, do they not? Gives guidance, gives direction in life. Jesus is that great counselor. Did you know that? Jesus is the great counselor. Jesus knows us perfectly. John 2.25 says this. Because he didn't need anyone to testify concerning man. For he himself knew what was in man. (laughs) Nobody had to tell Jesus what was in man. You see, what is in you and what is in me. He knows the good and the bad and the ugly about all of us. Did you know that? He knows our thoughts, our words, and our actions. He knows our motivations on why we do stuff. You can't trick him. He knows our desires that we have. He knows why we do what we do. You see, we can't trick him because he knows, he knows everything. He is that wise, wonderful counselor who knows everything about us, and yet He still loves us. And because He knows everything about us, and because He loves us, Colossians 2, 3 says this, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In whom whom, whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So get the point. Get the point. He loves us in spite of who we are. He has all wisdom, and He has all knowledge about us, about you, about me, about the world, about eternity, about everything. He knows it all. And if He loves us that much, because even though He knows us, He still loves us. And if He knows everything... Do you not think that He has our best interest at heart? Do you not think that He will take us down a path, if we let Him, down a path that is good for us and will bring Him glory? I don't think He would take us down a road, do you, that's going to be a, nothing but a dead end, that's going to harm and hurt us. Because you see, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says this, For I know the plans I have for you, God says. The Lord says. He knows those plans. A plan to prosper you and not to harm you. To give you a hope and a future out there. Because He knows us. And if He is that wise counselor, He's that wonderful counselor. And He loves us. He will give us the directions in life that we need. How many times have you gone to Him? And I hope you have. God, I don't know, God. <laughs> I just don't know what you have for me today. I don't know what road you want me to take. I don't know if that's the job you want me to take. Is that the one I'm supposed to marry? God, I just don't know. But the God who knows everything does know. And the God who has a plan for your life does know. So what do you do? You seek Him with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And guess what? When you do that, when you're seeking His will for your life, The Bible's going to do what? It says, you will find Him, and He will give you what you need. Aren't you thankful, my goodness, that He is that wonderful counselor that knows you, loves you, hears you, is near to you, and has a super plan for your life that will lead you down to the path of righteousness. All because that baby was born on that Bethlehem morning who grew up to be the wonderful counselor that we all need. Thank you, Father, for that. Second thing I want to hit you with is God. Jesus is mighty God. That word mighty refers to a king who's in charge, who has power, who has authority, who is heroic. Mighty God. Jesus is mighty God. You know, Israel was looking for that kind of a leader, were they not? They wanted somebody to step up and lead them and bring them out of bondage from from the Romans, from all the captives of the world, all the enemies of the world. And they were looking for that Messiah that would do that, to be strong and mighty and lead a military. But when God came and sent Jesus down here, he, He had a different idea about being mighty. Did you know that? He had a different idea of what it takes to, to be that kind of a leader that they've called, that, they, that he knew he needed, had to be. You see, he brought a different kind of leadership. The Bible says he brought what we would call a servant leadership. In order to be great, he said, you need to be a servant. And I got to thinking about that. When did he demonstrate that? He is just hours from crucifixion. Hours. And he's got all of his disciples around him. And he says, bring me a a, a basin of water and a towel. And he demonstrated this servant leadership because what did he do? He washed the feet of the disciples. Stinky, smelly, dirty. The most humblest thing that any person could ever do is to wash the feet of somebody else. And here, Jesus, God Almighty, is washing the feet of his disciples. He even washed the feet of Judas, by the way. Servant leadership. He would say, you know, my kingdom is not of this world. But we want it to be. No, he said, my kingdom is not of this world. I left the divine privileges that I had in heaven. And I came to be, to be a servant, if you would. I came to serve and not to be served. You know, He is mighty, mighty God. Because of the miracles that He performed. Did you know that there's stories in the Bible where Jesus would just be walking down the road and if somebody just touched Him, touched the, the garment of His robe, He would say, My power just left me what happened. And the person would be healed. That's not normal. That only can happen through a mighty, mighty God. He cast out demons and he cast out unclean spirits from people. That's a mighty God. That's who Jesus is. Mighty Jesus, mighty God... Gave the lame the ability to walk, the deaf to hear, the mute to speak, the blind to see. Jesus is a mighty God. But you know, I think what really made him mighty, 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 above more than anybody else, is when he left his home in glory and he came to live on this earth. And to live a perfect life. And he died on a cross and he became sin for who knew no sin, he became our sin. And he gave his life on that cross and they took him off the cross and they buried him and put him in a tomb. And three days later, Jesus, mighty God, was raised from the dead. And he now sits at the right hand of the Father. That is a mighty, mighty God. You see, Jesus, being mighty God, has the authority, did you know, to forgive sin. Jesus has the authority to, to um, allow people to have eternal life in him. Only a mighty God can do that. And one day, Jesus is coming back, did you know that? One day, as mighty God, there's going to be a, a, a voice from heaven, there's going to be a shout, and there's going to be a trumpet... That's going to be blowing. And in an instant, in a twinkling of an eye, in a moment that's so fast we'll never, it's a nano times nano, nano minute. We're all going to be disappeared out of here. We're going to meet him in the air to be with him forever and forever. Only Jesus, a mighty God, is going to do that. He's He's the one that's coming back to get his children, get his bride for eternity. And then just a few years later after that, At the battle of Armageddon, as the tribulation period is ending. There's no more tribulation. And he comes in a white horse. Wearing a robe that's white, but it's dipped in blood. And you and I, as his as his believers, will be riding white horses with him. And the angels of the Lord will be coming with him in a show of mighty strength. And the armies of the world will be gathered against Israel. One more time we're going to defeat Israel. We're going to bury him today. And Almighty God, Jesus riding that white horse, what does He do? He speaks a word from the sword of His mouth, which is His word, and every one of those enemies of God will be destroyed just like that. And He's already told the birds of the world to come and gather and eat of the flesh of those who have rejected Me. Only a mighty, mighty God can ever do that. And that, my friend, is Jesus and Jesus alone. Jesus has the authority, folk, boys and girls, to reward us for our good works. Did you know that? For all those believers who are, who are here today, one day we will stand before Him in the judgment seat of Christ. And we will not be judged because of our sin. We'll be judged because of the things that we did here on this earth. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And only Jesus and Jesus alone, being mighty God, will be able to reward you and me for the things that we've done. And those things that we did for him and his glory and his power, we will receive a reward because of that. And all that stuff that we've done in, his, in our own strength, our own passion, our own motivation, the Bible says will be burned up and we will be at a loss because we will not be able to be rewarded and receive those rewards to give back to Jesus, the mighty God. You see, we've called to do that and he has authority to reward us. And on the other side of that coin, he has the reward and the authority to bring judgment upon those who everyone have rejected him. The Bible says he has that authority. That people who have rejected him from the beginning of time will then stand before him. And he'll issue those words that nobody had got time to hear. Depart from me, I never knew you. Jesus as mighty God has that authority to do that. The Bible tells us in Philippians 2 that one day, one day every knee will bow in heaven, on the earth, under the earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is almighty God. Revelation 4.11 says it this way. Worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you have created all things, and all things exist. Because you created them how you wanted to create them. I am so thankful that Jesus is the mighty God that we serve. And He, and He alone, and His Father are all worthy to receive glory and honor and praise. I hope that you're able to do that here in this lifetime, to give Him glory and honor and praise. And why do we get to do that? Because one morning in Bethlehem, a little Savior came, was born of a virgin, wrapped in swallowing clothes, laying in a manger, not in the Hilton Hotel, not in the best accommodations, but just straw. And the Savior of the world was born that day. And he grew up. He grew up to be the Christ of the cross. Bringing us salvation. Thank you, Father, for that. His third title in his verses, and I'll be done. Jesus is the eternal Father. Or the everlasting Father. In John 1, 1 through 3, He gives us a beautiful description of Jesus. He says, in the beginning, the Word was with God. The Word is Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's Jesus. He was in the beginning with God, Jesus. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being you understand that from Genesis 1-1 through Revelation twenty two twenty one, 21 it's all about Jesus. He was in the beginning when He spoke the world into existence. He was in the beginning when God and, and the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit got together and they decided, Hey, let's make man in our image. You see, He was there. He was there before the foundations of the world. You see, he was there before you were ever born, before you were ever thought of. He was up there in heaven thinking about you and knowing you and knowing your name and knowing the plan that he has for you. From Genesis 1 to Revelation twenty two twenty one, 21, it's all about Jesus. In Revelation 1 17, it says, I am the first and the last. Roman, Revelation 21, 6 says, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Revelation twenty two thirteen, 13, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Jesus is our eternal Father. He was there before and He'll be thereafter. after. After all this mess in this old world, after tribulation, after millennium, after the new heaven and the earth, guess who's going to be ruling and reigning on this old world? It's going to be Jesus and, 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 and the Father. It don't get no better than that. And just like our earthly father's Jesus is here today, to protect us, to provide for us, to love us, to chastise us, to forgive us, to encourage us. And it's all because when we accepted him as our Lord and Savior, we received those benefits. Did you know that? And one of those great benefits of Him being our everlasting Father comes from 1 Peter 1. And I don't think I gave it, Dirk, those verses, so I better just get them here. And what what some great verses, because He is the everlasting Father. He will be there before, now, and after. There it is. (laughs) And it says this. Blessed be the God... Wait a minute. Where are we at? To obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, never fade away, reserved for you in heaven. (laughs) You are protected by the power of God. Because... Jesus is our everlasting father because we accepted him as Lord and Savior what a blessing that we will have to be able to participate in with him undefiled never fade away our inheritance is reserved by him and protected by holy God Jesus is our everlasting father is he not we must worship him that way Isaiah wrote these words over 700 years before they ever happened. I want to read them to you just one more time. For a child will be born to us. That's Jesus. A son will be given to us. That's Jesus. And the government will rest upon his shoulders. That's Jesus. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, God, everlasting father and the prince of peace why would we not want to put him as a priority in your life during this Christmas season because without him because without the birth at Bethlehem we would never have the Christ of the cross that allows you and I to spend eternity with him Man, I urge you this Christmas season, urge you, to make Jesus the reason for the season. And I know that's trite. I know we say it all the time. But my goal for this December, for you, is that Jesus really is the reason for the season. That he really is this indescribable gift that you accepted one time in your life that allows you to live with him forever. that's all I got as we begin our invitation time if Jesus is not your number one priority if he's not your wonderful counselor your mighty God your everlasting father your prince of peace you need to ask him why you need to confess that to him because that's who he is for all born again Christians And if he's not that to you, you need to confess that. Because without that being in your life, you'll never have the joy that you need. You'll never truly be able to sing joy to the world. Hark the herald angels sing. It came upon a midnight clear. You can't sing any of those unless he is number one in your life. I'm going to ask you to just do business with the Lord however he leads you. If you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior boy what a great time to do right now so that you can call him that wonderful counselor mighty God eternal father as the piano plays you do business with holy God whatever he asks you to do because he'll never lead you astray if he's urging you to step out of that pew and come and receive Christ the best decision you'll ever make And begin living the greatest plan that he has for you. You pray. You listen to the spirit as the piano plays.